We're here living the authentic life with Cherise Esparza, girl boss, fashionista, world traveler, lover of cars, mom, gorgeous wife. I mean, you're too kind. We're going to need like three hours for this whole podcast. So you sent me your incredible um, overview that was not even that long, but just amazing. And then I did some research on my own. There's so much I want to talk about, but I want to lead with you are such a girl boss that you're on the Forbes 1000 to watch. And that is just incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's definitely been a, a goal of mine, um, something I put literally on a vision board. Uh, and what's fascinating about that is um, my vision board, I literally pictured my head and I put Forbes on top of it. And it was September 17th, uh, September 5th, 2017. And it happened exactly five years later, a day later. Okay, that makes me cry. Isn't that crazy and about chills. like manifesting that energy out there of a it goal? Is. Like, I mean, five years is a is a, like a long time, but it happened. To be on the Forbes <laughs> list five years is completely manageable. I mean, wow. So um, I'm going to the Forbes Women's Summit next week, and I'm so excited about it. And I had a random moment where I was in a taxi cab in Saint Tropez, waiting for the taxi for a long time. And we normally take Ubers, but they yeah. weren't available. And the guy in front of us ended up being like the former president of Mercedes and a continent and the woman was the vice president of Forbes Women's Summit. Whoa! So we ended up sitting with the guy at the F1 race in Monaco. Oh my gosh. How what, this fabulous. Year. And then sitting next to him the year that we went, like three yes. days after the taxi ride. And then I went to the Forbes Women's Summit with her. So I do believe in putting energy out there. And I say to people, I go deep quick. Like I want to know what makes you tick? What makes yeah. you come alive? Why? Are, obviously. Because you feed off that energy too. Yes, you do. And things happen. And then do you ever get the impossible? syndrome that you're like, I hope you don't because I, I do I at moments. Like I do. I felt like I, um, fell prey to that in the early years of starting, um, security gate where you're on a leap of faith and a prayer and your own drive to go out and build something from nothing based on your own experience. And when you look at your, um, people you look up to, you're like, wow, how am I ever going to get at that level? Right. I'm over here trying to do it and that can creep in and it did but at some point you just have to like recognize what you built what you're doing and say wow I'm doing it either way you're accelerating and you're moving forward and I feel like that has helped me to overcome that when I because I'm in a in the tech space and in oil and gas and so it's a mostly very, men too very exactly so you, to be a woman in that field that looks like you look yeah sometimes they probably don't expect what's coming well, and you don't belong there women typically don't belong in the oil field and in cyber and on offshore rigs and that's our space and so yes in the early days there was a lot of there was a complex around overcoming that type of a barrier of mentality of your own confidence and and kind of like your worth of like I deserve to be here just as much as any of them and, so, and it is a balance as a woman 
to be feminine, mm -hmm. but not be sexual yeah, and to be taken seriously. But you seem to be feminine yes. and able to be a woman in that. And I was in construction for 22 years. Mm -hmm. So I felt that too. Like you walk on a job site, yeah. if you have a skirt on and heels, first of all, you are struggling yeah. to walk around, but you want to, but you're going from there to an architect's office or yeah. did you feel that? 100% and what I can say what I've always approached being in a male dominant field um, especially if you're here in Houston it's the oil field it's yes. the medical field very predominantly men run you gotta almost be a chameleon and know when to change your skin it doesn't yes. mean it does it defines you it just means that like you're able to seamlessly integrate without sticking out now sometimes it's good to be flamboyant and stick yes. out but you gotta know when, when to do it choose it carefully I'll I'll never forget I was going off site to a chemical plant and I had my little David Yearman earrings on and I had a suit and uh, the engineer was like Sharice don't get me wrong with this comment like you're beautiful and I would never ask you to change anything about you but what you're walking into with your earrings dangling like if you want to be taken serious yeah you may want to think about what you wear next time and I'm like but I'm in a blazer and I'm in a suit I'm like yeah and you're talking to boots and hard hat boots men and engineers on the floor with uh -huh. dirt under their nails and that gave me a really good perspective uh -huh. because the way he approached it to me it was constructed it wasn't it insulting. was it was and I've never forgotten that even though sometimes oh. I cringe but I feel like as you build your confidence at some point you're just like you know what I know when I got to change my skin and I know when I don't have to so. And not pushing too much. I think that's also hard as really strong women. What I, okay, so I've done so much research on living your best life, coming alive, what it means. I found this term called ikigai. I don't know if you no. have heard it before, but it's when you figure out what you're passionate about, what you can do well, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for. Wow you reach the state of flow where you can do it. Mm -hmm. And so you started programming as a teenager. Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> girls programming. I mean, that's amazing. So it's not just that you said, oh, I'm going to make money doing this. Yeah. Oh, there's an opportunity here, but you've left it. I've loved it. Um, and I, you know, I didn't just fall into this field while I started at a really young age. At an even younger age, I do have to give credit to my parents because um, I would say in about that seventh, eighth grade year, my parents really promoted this idea that you know, focusing on engineering and math mm -hmm. would really open a lot of doors. And so they were very instrumental in me going to pre-freshman engineering courses in the summertime while everyone's at SeaWorld or Fiesta, Texas, having a good time. I was taking engineering courses on college campuses. And what that does, and I share this story all the time mm -hmm. because I'm a big believer in um, promoting women in STEM and science, is that starting young really does something for, to build a confidence in an individual. Boy, girl to really let them know that like going to college being on a campus it's not this big scary thing mm -hmm. it's not about being popular it's about like if you find something you like and you get build the confidence and that's what it did for me so going into computer science right out of high school um, was a real easy decision and that also parlayed opportunities for internships at a really young age at the age of 16 working for large companies developing and that 
accelerated not only my knowledge, but my career, but the opportunities I had and that continued. And so when someone always asks like, well, how did you get into cyber? And you're obviously successful and you're making money and you're doing what you love. It wasn't a straight line. If you can imagine, mm-hmm. even by the things that I share, mm-hmm. um, I was a waitress for five years of college while I also was a developer, you know, making it just work. And every opportunity that I had was because it built off of the hard work that I did really early on in my career. And, um, you know, it's, and so when I look back at kind of like how I got here, it's like this roller coaster with zigzags and even getting into entrepreneurship was a complete, even though that was always a dream of mine, it took me a while to build the confidence to get there. So our daughter this summer did um, applied economics at Duke, and she took calculus at Rice, and she's president of the math club. And she's in high school, right? she's in high school. She's a 16-year-old junior. All of that counts. It does. Because it's going to open up doors for her, and it's going to give her a competitive edge. And anyone that takes the extra time in the summer when you don't have to, to get a competitive edge, you never know who you're going to meet. You don't ever know that professor owns his own company, is going to hire an intern. Absolutely. It's so, and um, people came to her, um, like, of course, it was social suicide at first in the math club. Of course. I had to bribe her. Yeah. I gave her um, Alexander McQueen tennis shoes if she stayed. That's a great bribe. I was like, girl, if if you want this lifestyle, you're going to have to earn it. And I want to give you the tools to be able to put yourself in a place that you earn it. But she loves it too. Mm -hmm. So you can't just do it unless you love it. Like a big part is finding what sets your soul on fire because it is a grind. It not is. every day is fun, not every experience. And I think that's what's so hard with so many young kids today. They want to have fun all the time or they want to work <sighs> remote. Oh gosh. And you're like, I, a you lot know, of it happens. You either pay now or pay later. Yeah. You pay now or you pay later. And I remember in college and it, even as easy it was to pick computer science, when you see all your friends um, in other departments or social focuses, business, marketing, and they're having fun and you're in a lab with other <laughs> engineers or maybe you're the only girl in that group, you know, you're kind of like, man, did I make the right decision? And I remember distinctly it was June year and I was telling my mom, I was like, this is really hard. No one's social. And I'm like a social butterfly too. I was in a sorority and I just really didn't fit the mold. Right. But she was like, stick with it. You're ne- it's not about just being a programmer. You just stick with it and you'll find something that you love and you can apply the math and science. And in my senior year, I found what I loved. And that was the hacking, the cybersecurity side, because you don't get to the fun stuff till like later in college. Yes. And that's what I was like, wow, I love this. Like I could do this all night and I joined competitions. I got recruited out of college and it's as a paid hacker. I mean, let's have a moment for that. I mean, that (laughs) is again, chills girl, a a paid hacker. So that was what I read. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, They wanted you to go in and see if they could be hacked. That's right. See where the, the vulnerabilities, the vulnerabilities. Yeah. So in our industry, you have white hat hackers, black hat hackers, black Uh hats are those that do malicious stuff. 
stuff. They break into your accounts. They steal your information, identity, right? White hat hackers are those that get hired by corporations to disclose and unveil the vulnerabilities in their environment so that you can proactively protect against them and put controls in place so you don't. So at the young age of 22, I was hired at a corporation to do that because of my internships, because of my my focus in college. And you'd done the work. I did the work. I did the work. So here I am graduating college with this in my pocket. And then because I was able to demonstrate that I had this job working for this company, doing this, Ernst & Young found me as I graduated, which I actually moved me from San Antonio to New York and Houston, where I am now because of that. And, um, but it opened so many doors and it was just a really great experience because starting young, you kind of grow up in the industry mm-hmm. and that, I don't say it lightly, that was literally 20 years ago for me. Oh my God. So I've been at this for a really long time in this focus, in this field. I've never strayed from cybersecurity. And so this has been an affinity because I just latched onto it and love it. So I do believe when you like find something you love, it's not really work. It's something you just get up easy every day and you do it and you try to figure out how to be the best at it. So amazing. Okay. So let's talk about something that most women probably listening to this and men can even understand is setting a reward for yourself when you achieve success. Okay. Let's talk about uh, that manifestation. <laughs> I know. Look at you, girl. This is how we met. Tell the story. So um, fast forward, I had a really great accelerated corporate career. Um, and there was a point in my career after after marriage, after um, kids, that I just still needed to fulfill a desire to become an entrepreneur and have a tech company. So that happened seven years ago, and or seven years this year. And at a certain point in our company last year, I was telling my husband, like, I really want to um, commemorate this moment of closing a really big contract in our company that we did. And I want to buy my first Birkin and I didn't know where to start. And I was talking to, uh, my cousin and trusted PR, uh, Taylor. And she's like, Oh, my mom knows someone. And I remember talking to her and she's like, Oh, if you want to touch it, feel it, I have a great place for you to go. And her name's it's vintage Contessa and she has the best luxury items and and you will be able to go see it, touch it. And I was like, okay, well, tell me where it is. And so I, I looked you up and I was like, oh, this is like down the street from me. <laughs> so I made an appointment and I just was like, I'm going to come in and just check it out. And I fell in love immediately with um, one of my very first Birkins that I bought here. And it was very special because I felt like it was really a symbol of success, mostly earning it. And it's a representation of uh, my husband always says, you got to buy the Rolex first because Sometimes you have to remind yourself what, how, why you're working so hard. Yes. You got to remind yourself why sometimes you have to make some hard decisions, but also reap the rewards, but those rewards don't always come in quickly. So sometimes you have motivation. So when I see that Birkin in my closet, I'm like, I got to get back to work because I want another one. (laughs) I know it's so true. And I, um, I tell people I had Gucci's growing up. My father traveled. We had a marble and granite company. So I traveled to, he traveled to Italy on buying trips. Meanwhile, 
he believed in investing in properties. We had nice cars. They did have Rolexes. I got a Rolex as a high school graduation, but I wow. couldn't spend money on clothes. So I wore my Gucci bag with my clothes I got from Wieners, which is basically like a Marshalls. And I couldn't even go to Dillard's to oh really go shopping. And if I did, it was the sale rack. So I had this vision of having these things when I was older in life. And when I met my husband, I said, I want to buy myself a Birkin if we sell the family business or I achieve yeah. something. So I bought my first Chanel bag when I was 37, 37. And my, um, my first Birkin was at 39 as my push present. That's awesome. So it, it, people look at me and they're like, you have so much. And they think it, it, it's, it was, it was a vision. And I did this part time as a side hustle when I was working in the construction industry for like five years before I could even afford to leave that and do this full time. It, people just see the fun. Yeah. They don't see all the sacrifices and the mommy guilt that yeah. you're not with your kids all the time and how you balance that. It's not a zero sum game. It's not like, Oh, one day I want to be surrounded by lavish luxury items. Um, what really holds true is if you want those things, create a path to have them. It's not as yes. easy as like, oh, I'm just going to go whip out thousands of dollars to buy it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to get it brand new versus um, gently used. And it really doesn't matter. It matters what it means to you and how you get there. And, and so for your case, it's like you had a vision for this and you made it come true. Yes, it I created way, it. It created wasn't it. given to me. And another thing too, like what I will say is, you know, I'm 42 and for me to be in this stage of my career, to be able to have the optionality to make investments, because I truly tr see luxury yes. items um, in a certain class as an investment because it retains so your investment money right. that you've made yes. on it. And so I've become more strategic on my purchases than I ever have in my life before. And I wasn't, I was 40 when I first got, you know, my Birkin and a Chanel. Like, so I feel like in today's society, there is emphasis on the outward projection of success and what it means. But I think when you peel back the onion, it, it's not, it's not glamorous. You have to work really hard to get there. Mm -hmm. And I would say that would be one thing that I hope that people would see from this conversation. It's like, Oh, not some tech entrepreneur that can afford a Birkin. No, like I've worked really hard to get here and it means something to me to mm -hmm. be able to do it on my own and to reward myself for that. And that I am coin operated as my sales team reminds me. So I, I like this kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's a good reminder of what success can be and what the future can look like. Yes. You know? When we have, it gives us hope to keep pushing, hope Absolutely. to keep trying. Okay. So I did a little dive on your Instagram okay. and I saw you just got back from Positano mm -hmm. Ravello. It's one of, um, Capri, that whole area oh is one of my favorite places in the world. You went for a friend's wedding I did, and it looked just so enchanting. Tell us it about your dreamy. travels because you travel exotic places. L 
uh, until places. recently, I will say the first time I ever traveled to Europe, I was I was 40, so it was two years ago. Um, before then, I had traveled to other places, but recently, building the business, I have had the opportunity to expand outside of the U.S. We have an oh, office wow. in Milan that we opened up this year. We have Ugh. a great development team out there, and so we got to visit it. Um, but through our great customers that we have a global presence in seven different European countries. So because of that, we have opportunities to go build the business, to go meet our clients. And so a little fun and business along the way never hurt. Right. Um, so we've been doing a lot of travel in um, the UK, in France, um, and in Italy, because again, critical infrastructure is global, especially if they have a US-based presence, mm -hmm. they still have a European arm. And so our company serves their global footprint. And because of that, we got to go meet our teams out mm -hmm. there. We got to go meet the executives and share why Security Gate is the right choice for them from a strategic cybersecurity protection for their assets. And when I say assets, offshore rigs, chemical plants, like these are not like high fun fashion places. This is no. like where real safety Correct. matters, mm -hmm. life and death, a lot of revenue to be lost. And so, um, because of that, we've had the pleasure to to go to Europe and meet that. But on a funner note, uh, for the Amalfi Coast, that was a first. Um, I had never been, and our really great friends um, invited us to be a part of their magical wedding. And you know, I keep telling my husband, like, God, I wish I was back there. It was so amazing. I keep talking. It's two weeks later, and I'm still in that mode. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Sharice, it was a, not every trip's going to be like that. But what made this so special was um, where we are personally, mentally in yes. a great place. The atmosphere was perfect, yes. but more importantly, our friends were all there too. So yes. not every vacation is like that, he says, but I mean, it was wonderful. I will say it's a truck to get there. It is. I Planes, mean, trains, automobiles, and the Europeans it, are not efficient and they're moving around. They they're have, slower. Their road is equivalent <laughs> to our one lane. Yes, you're like, one oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to fall off the cliff. <laughs> so once you're there, it's great. But like getting through the mountains and getting through the airports, I mean, it's an all-day affair. And if anything's delayed, you're just up creek but it was amazing um i really enjoyed positano i loved uh the food i loved shopping for their ceramics and their linens like mm -hmm. and just getting to explore some of the instagram places that were being promoted yes. as everyone's feels like everyone's traveling over there i didn't get to go to capri uh, i just didn't have time to do that mm -hmm. um ravello is a beautiful um quaint little town that i think if you're a, a couple it's great to go exploring it's not a lot of nightlife so if you're single that's not, the, not place the place to, to go even Positano is a little slower too right but it has clubs and bars okay. on the beach so it was plenty of entertainment for us and our friends um and then of course being away from there I have two little ones and so yes. I'm just like calling in every second I can get and I'm reminding you want to be present but you're still yes. your heart's with your kids always it is and I have a great system back home Okay. Um, so, you know, my sister-in-law and my cousin was helping out okay, with good. them. But uh, at the end of the day, it's like, it's funny because people that we encountered in conversations, like, they're like on a three, four week bender in Europe, going to Ibiza and Mykonos. And while a week was enough for us there, cause we have uh, kids to get back to, we have a business to get back to, our single friends were just off on another yeah. plane. And yeah. I'm just like, hmm, okay. 
okay let me know when you come back to reality <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it was uh my experience there was was really awesome um and i hope to go back have you been there before yes so um we i went on um, as actually my first marriage my honeymoon was in positano okay. we went to ravello and it was interesting because i felt like oh i'll never want to go back there again but going back with my husband oh, is so much right? yeah it's really special and that area my heritage is italian my grandparents immigrated from sicily so there's something and then buying marble we used to import yeah. tile from that area too oh, wow. some of the painted tiles mm -hmm. so it just there's a a calming piece that i get and uh, Danette and I have talked about how sometimes you can get as almost as much fuel by planning a vacation mm -hmm. and thinking about it. I think it's this vision. Girl, that, I've been like, manifesting. I had lemons yes, on my table yes. and a lemon bedding set. <laughs> I literally bought an Amalfi book. You know those big books? Yeah, Put yeah. it on my coffee table. I'm like, I'm because our friends told us about this a year ago. And I was yes. like, oh God, there's so much that can happen in a year. I, I don't know. know. If we're going to yeah. go, but back to manifestation, like you got to put that energy out there and whether or not it happens or not, like I have a book of St. Tropez on my table. I haven't been yet, yes. but I will be there one like someday. But the other thing is I'm glad that you felt that, or your husband pointed that out about friends because when we've gone to Capri again, I'm 55. So I wasn't going growing up. I'm yeah. even the yeah. daughter of immigrants who had heritage. There. Uh, yeah. Heritage there and a business there and I didn't go to Europe until I was 26 so um, whereas our daughter went when she was five like it's just a different journey and time yeah we were fortunate to take our children um, with us last year when we went for business in um, in London and here they are eight and six and here I am 40 years old before I got to ever go to London and they've already achieved something that most people in their whole lifetime don't and yes. I don't take that for granted like right. I'm very but I think we can, we can talk, I mean, I, obviously our daughter is at a place that I can see that she's willing to put the work in Yes, and we've always talked about that. But yes, there are things I think that they don't understand after working hard, but there's something about exposing people to the world at a young age, 100% that makes them embrace different cultures and different people. And I think it's you probably, how is it in business dealing with different cultures and different countries? I feel like the more time that I spend in certain countries that we're doing business I understand them a little more from mm -hmm. their perspective even just having a team in Italy and mm -hmm. understanding the work culture yes. um, over there helps me be a better leader for our team um, having spent more time in Europe this year um, has allowed me to understand our clients in a way that you know things that we would just dismiss as like not even a moot point mm -hmm. it, it's important to them even the way they enjoy taking us out to a lunch or a dinner the way yes. we maybe just take it not take it for granted we're just so fast we're here. like we gotta get yes. back to work and that's part of the connection absolutely 100 percent. and i more time i spend there i understand like it's important just to sit and then be in that moment with them. And it's almost a sign of disrespect to like get up and go on to the next thing. Yes. Because that's you have to not have the their coffee. culture. You have to have the, yes. Well, and it translates to business meetings as well. 
So Absolutely. here we are, we're gonna get something done in 30 minutes. No, they're, they're gonna take the full hour and you've gotta give them that opportunity to communicate in their style um, and in their manner. And so having some context around that has mm -hmm. helped with the travel, um, so yeah. So uh, another thing that I, in my TED talk uh, that I have been working on, I found was blue zones. So blue zones are places in the world where people live to be a hundred and one area specifically, I think there's six of them is Sardinia, Italy. And there's 10 times more centenarians there that live to be a hundred than in the US. Mm. And one of the things they do that I love is they stop for happy hour every day. God. <laughs> Aperitivo, right? Uh, yes. 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 And, then, and then there's um, another place in California that's um, a um, a religious group that gets together and they pray together. But I'm like, I'm Italian, so I get to have <laughs> cocktails from mine. Go. But also, they live in community with generations together. So I love that you share, like me being Italian, you being Hispanic, mm -hmm. the family, the family Absolutely. unit, and having generations together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think can translate as traditions Absolutely. and shared about passing how there was a struggle of the generation before mm -hmm. and to understand what might come because there's cycles in life. You know, it, it, it's funny that you bring that up because as a, as a female executive, I feel like we're always plagued with more choices and demands of, of, of a persona that's placed upon us as a woman, as a female, mm -hmm. as a mother, um, which often puts aside our personal desires as an individual. And for me growing up, I had really strong women, um, females in my life from my great grandma, grandma to my mother, and they all had very different roles within their generations. Mm -hmm. Like there's a dichotomy. And when I look at those roles and I see how they've truly influenced me, you know, my great grandma in the 1920s was the first female manager for Goodyear tires. Like that was unheard of. Wow. But she made some really crucial sacrifices of family for that career success. And she was a trailblazer in her time during the war Incredible. as well. But she sacrificed yes. her relationship with her children for that. My grandma was the epitome of a caretaker. She raised five kids. She raised mm, her mm -hmm. brother. She, so she was like, I'm going to do it the other way. Opposite that, way. 100% yes. mm -hmm. housewife. Mm -hmm. Let my grandfather um, take care of the family. Very Mexican, machissimo. But she gave the presence of a solid home of love and nurture. And then my mom in the eighties with us, she was a really good balance of having a career and being a mom. But in the eighties with work culture, it was very hard. So being raised with my grandma, my family, my parents, I saw all those types of struggles. I heard my, cause I was fortunate to hear the stories of my great grandma's life as well before she passed. Cause she lived to be almost 92. So talking wow. about living long with purpose with purpose so yes i can't help but think that how that has shaped who i am how i live my life with my daughter with my family with my kids and also keeping true to myself of like you do have to make choices but mm -hmm. it is a balance and it's never going to come at probably like a perfect time in life and so in terms of sharing generation in terms of sharing a longevity of a legacy you know health is really important mm -hmm. and when i look to these european countries what's important to them is health 
Let's talk about the food. One of the things I've learned over there Ugh, is the how fresh. They, the fresh. There's no chemicals. Even their skincare. Can we talk about their skincare in Europe? Like it's amazing. Like chemical free. And so when we think like, how are these other people in other countries living longer than us? Well, one, they have a different way of life. Uh -huh. They value the downtime. Yes. Take August for example. Everyone in Europe was off. So except for the U.S. Except for the U.S. Did your business close there? Not in Milan. No, but okay. they do. We do observe all the holidays but I will say we honor when they take more extended vacations so like here in the U.S. taking a week off is like a <gasps> big deal it's a big deal and in Europe two weeks three weeks as yeah. long as you have the time we support it so that also affects business and how we do it business does, yeah because everyone's out on vacation we'll call you later doesn't matter if we're waiting on a PO like month of August nothing's getting done in Europe and People value that time away to rejuvenate, to be with their family. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, in the U.S., what's different, and I love our country because it is the country of dreams. We have opportunities here that mm -hmm. Europe, Europeans do not have access mm -hmm. to. The way entrepreneurship is um, coveted here, and oh, the yes. way it's the, to like, start a business to and start Europe your business from the ground up, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I'm not here to say like Europe right. is better or not. I'm just saying I we recognize can learn from each other. Absolutely. And, you know, it is a balance. So you always have to balance and make those choices. Unfortunately, even as a woman, you're even if you're a breadwinner, you're a contributor, you're a stay at home mom, you're still a full time something to someone. And having a vision of what your life is like, that's shaped by your generational mm -hmm. family background, you know, it it creeps in whether you like it or not. It does. So you and your husband are from similar family backgrounds. I would say, uh, from it, he comes from a line of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. um, dating back into like the, um, late 1800s. Like wow. I'm talking like he has a family line that my son is the sixth and wow. I'm just like, that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, and so from that perspective, we have a lot in common in terms of where we align with family goals, mm -hmm. how we support each other in business and life and love. Um, we, we both come from really similar backgrounds like that. And is he an entrepreneur also? He is. He's actually um, my partner and co-founder in our business. I love that. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So we work together. Way. Okay. So we started this business Rob, together. Rob, if I only spoke <laughs> about you that endearingly. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's no one you trust more and there's no one you have more emotion for. <laughs> Maybe you know, your kids. <laughs> you know, I think for some marriage, uh, comes in all forms. And uh -huh. for, for me and Ted, um, we obviously had our separate lives before each other. We had uh -huh. our separate career goals, but there were a lot of fundamentals that we shared alignment on first uh -huh. and foremost family, the way we are, we're as a partner and supporting. Uh -huh. And he had the opportunity to become a business owner and entrepreneur, um, like four years before we started this business. Uh -huh. And so when it was my turn to take an opportunity and seize the 
moment he fully supported because he knew where I was in that journey uh-huh. and it wasn't like oh we're gonna start a business together and hold hands and it naturally evolved because uh-huh. as he was exiting his company we had a great op- I had a great opportunity over here building our new company that I was running and I said I really could use your help on the business and contract side because I'm uh-huh. the tech person I'm the uh-huh. engineer I don't uh-huh. wasn't really familiar with that side of the house he's like okay I'll come help you and when he saw the business opportunity he got involved and he's like there's a business here and that excited him he wasn't a cyber expert right he right. Uh, was a business guy and although coming from the military um, and his background he was a reconnaissance so reconnaissance somewhat plays a part in the cyber realm so he had a I, he had some similarities actually he really got it he did and what we both had our experience together was in the oil and gas field because when okay. he transitioned out of the military he was working for Shell and he understood operational and engineering and stuff. So it was like this weird like dance in the beginning of finding like how our puzzle pieces fit. But there was, um, we've always had a dichotomy of roles, which I think has been the key to our success in our business. Like Mm -hmm. I've always been the back of the house and then he was the front of the house. Mm -hmm. And that has changed over time, but starting, yeah. And it didn't come with some challenges too the way married couples are viewed in business, which I think gets a bad um, bad rap. I think there are some misconceptions about people that are married and business partners right. together. And I would suspect that they would say, oh, it's the husband's business that you join and he gave his wife a job. And that, or <laughs> that a, journey is so different for you guys. Or it's a mom and pop lifestyle yes. company. And it's or, oh, your little store that you have. Exactly. exactly. Your little company you have. Exactly. And, and being in a very conservative field, there are definitely some misconceptions that you're constantly going up against the battle with, mm-hmm. but there's ways to work around it and to showcase that, um, no, this is, we're here about business. We have a company, mm-hmm. we have a value to provide to you. And mm-hmm. if someone wants to, you know, peek under the hood, we've never shied away from, right. You know, you're like, let's, let's go toe to toe on this. Exactly. But I, I think that, so, and for us, Rob literally does all the buying and has all of the experience with running the books and making sure exactly. the money is a partnership. It is. And I'm more the marketing yeah. and getting people in and figuring out how to do that side of it. And, um, I mentioned earlier, our daughter has been through a lot of health challenges over the last few years. And, um, we just always decided that for us, I was going to be there to be able to take care of her. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, that had I been working with someone else, had I been, I would have probably had to step away from the business, but because it's our business, yeah, so you have flexibility. we have more flexibility, but then the other side of it is you never leave it. You wake up at two oh, in yes. the morning, you're working, you wake up your every dinner, every breakfast, every vacation, you're still you in it. You live, eat, breathe it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started on this journey of entrepreneurship, one, I always knew I wanted a tech business. I knew mm-hmm. that from the day I was in college, how I got there there was going to take me a lot longer. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of success in corporate America, so I didn't have the need to do it. 
being in corporate America, there's a lot of, there's a box and you got to fit in that box to play the game. And if you're not playing the game, you're not a player in that box. And so I realized once I got married, once I started having kids, I needed and wanted to be around for my children. As simple as taking them to school and dropping them off and being there in those moments. You don't really get that if you have a very strict corporate life structure. And so an incentive for building this business was to have that flexibility to Mm -hmm. create it, not only for for me, Mm -hmm. but also for our employees because they have families too. Mm -hmm. And I know that if you're gonna be your best at the office, everything in your other life has to be in sync and Mm -hmm. and well taken care of. And when it's not, you're not your best self at work. Mm -hmm. And so that was really important for us at a company to have that flexibility to, I have young children, so I know exactly that desire to be able to take care of your family and do what you love. But I will tell you, just like you said, like you're, I, my job doesn't stop at five. Like I'm right. constantly working on the business. I'm on phone late. I'm mm-hmm. sending emails. I'm thinking and about being international and it changes when people are awake and when they can respond and when you have to business ownership is a 24 seven job, 24 mm-hmm. seven. But that's job. why you have to love it. Exactly. 100%. So you can go in and out of it. Okay. Let's talk about one of your other passions. You said you love cars. I noticed cars. on your feed that you went to a significant race. I was telling you we were at F1 in Monaco. Yes. Um, so the, so my husband loves cars as well. Uh-huh. Um, he tracks cars. We have a, we have a vision. We have a goal one day. We're going to own a NASCAR team. <gasps> that is such a big goal. I don't know how we're going to get there, but it's out there in the world. I love but it. Back it up. Like I, one of the things that me and Ted always joke about is like, man, there's no one to really like be the voice of reason when it comes to cars because we both love cars. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you, like, you want that? You, you, you like get that? it, babe. I love that. You like that 60 I love it too. You like that Porsche? I love it too. So we have have quite a collection, um, but I love like, um, I just love the whole engineering aspect behind cars. Mm -hmm. Um, I have in my days gone up through the classes of cars Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I blame my dad. My dad had this 89 Toyota Supra, which was like back then in the eighties, a hot fast car. My graduate. Gift was, um, or no, yeah, a 1986 Toyota Supra. Oh, so then you yes, know, you I graduated know. in 86. I drove that car. Yes, it's, I it was a my dad. I was cool, but I was shopping at Wieners, girl. <laughs> but I was driving the and cool it was car, a fast, cool car <laughs> with my Gucci bag. There you go. So I blame my dad for my love of fast cars, and um, and so every time I was able to, I always kind of like found myself upgrading my car from yes. a, a Z05 to an M3. Yeah. But at the end of the day, and my husband will quickly remind me, um, these things are really nice to have, but when you have other priorities, yes. sometimes these luxury items will take a back seat. I'll give you mm-hmm. an example. Um, when we were first together and we were buying our first house and we were engaged, mm-hmm. I had my M3 mm-hmm. and I wanted a Land Rover and we were trying to buy this house. He's like, Sharice, I'm going to be really honest with you. In order to make this a reality, we are going to probably have to deprioritize some things. And are you willing to make those sacrifices for a long-term jump? And I'm like, 
what do you mean? I have to give up my car. He's like, just probably for a short term. Mm -hmm. And that is a really valuable lesson that I apply still today. You know, it, it cost me nothing to switch out of an M3 and getting into my which I loved my Jeep Liberty because it looked like a range, uh, it looked like a, a G wagon then, boxy style, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But it was so that we bought our first house together, right? And then a few later, I'm gonna have any car that I want. And I always share that story with people because, you know, it's not a straight path. It, it is not. Is. I'm driving a 2018. Mercedes that's still good. I love it. But I want a Range Rover or I want a, um, an M5X or the MX5, whatever that is. I, I don't know. But same thing. We had medical expenses this year and we chose to take some trips and there were some things that were more expensive yes. than we thought and we're just not and there's just choices and we have to get to the place that it's okay. I guess it's part of it too, making them together, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, it was so funny and it's a running joke in the office too because um, at, at even a, a, a point in our marriage too, I was like, you know, I really want a Maserati was my dream car. <laughs> and um, you know that Britney Spears song, you want a Maserati? You got to work. <laughs> well, I worked and I didn't end up getting my Maserati. I ended up getting a Mercedes G-Wagon and it oh, was good. right before the pandemic start. So it was a great deal, great interest rate, which is really nothing now today. Oh, and I know. You could probably make a profit on it's it. It's an investment. Again, luxury yes. items investment going up. And so um, I love my G-Wagon. I don't think I could ever see myself getting rid of it. But I also love other cars. Like yeah. you put a California T Ferrari white cream interior in front of me, I... Just would drool. go crazy. All yes. right, well, you've got to be part of Heels on Horsepower. Your I, energy is much needed. Well, I, I I found them on Instagram thanks to you, and I was uh -huh. like, oh, who are these ladies and who are these cars? Like, so I'm really excited to learn more about the organization yes. and participate, and um, hopefully they'll accept me. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, I think our time has come to an end, oh, wow. but you are just um, so inspiring to so many. Um, I, I just am almost at a loss for words of how to wrap up. I think it's um, amazing to see your balance because I think for me, being successful means being balanced. That's what success feels like to yeah. me is balancing my family and my work and my work family because the people you work with, you care about yeah. so much. And then and, and enjoying life and being a couple and then being a woman, taking care of yourself. Yeah. It's just a lot. And I just applaud you for sharing how you were able to do so much and achieve so much in the real story thank that goes you. into it. Yeah. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on and share with your viewers, uh, my background and kind of our path, how we got here. Um, what's the next big thing? Oh gosh. The next big the NASCAR. <laughs> That's his goal. I just, I'm supporting that way. No, our, our next big thing is to continue to expand in Europe. Um, I've been putting the energy out there to open a London office for some time now. Milan just happened to flourish quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. So I continued expansion in Europe for the business. 
But most importantly, I'm working on a new vision board. Um, the vision board I made uh, five years ago, I feel like I've achieved a lot of that. And so wow. I'm in this, this, I'm in a period of growth personally. Um, and I'm, I'm really leaning on um, entrepreneurship coaches to help me kind of craft what is that next version of me look like and all the things I want to succeed in going forward. So stay tuned on that one. Yay. I can't wait to see. Well, thank you so much for joining Thank you. Oh, oh, okay, guys. See you next week. We're living the authentic life.